0: So I'm going to try to do something I haven't done in a while. I'm going to try to give you a five-minute version of my sermon because I know you're all thinking it. I'm thinking it too. Um, and it might, it, I might be able to pull it off because this is a, the, like the famous part, the most famous part of the Daniel story, right? The, the furnace. Uh, any, any of us who have ever been in Sunday school uh, have probably heard this or, you know, seen a cartoon because, you know, fire and kids. That's what you want to do, right? So this is taking place um, right after where we left off last week with, um, you know, the the king needing his dreams interpreted. And he basically said to everybody, hey, uh, if you do this and it works, I'll reward you. But if you don't, I'll kill you. And so it was given to Daniel to do this. And so we kind of looked at how does Daniel respond and how do we have that same strength to not respond in fear, but to respond as a non-anxious presence while still maintaining our identity. And this kind of continues on into it. And actually, we don't even see Daniel in this part. It's It's all about his three friends. And so as we pick up King Nebuchadnezzar, after seeing how great Daniel's God is, decides, of course, to build a statue out of himself. This statue is apparently in the story 90 feet high and nine feet wide in pure gold. I mean, think about the arrogance and the insecurity of someone like that needing this. And um, not only is he building this statue, but he wants uh, everybody to be able to come and see it. Right At one point, he says every race, every color, every creed. Which, of course, also means the people that he has uh, oppressed, the people that he has captured and conquered. He wants them to not only come and see this, but to also kneel and bow down before it. The unfortunate truth is with people like King Nebuchadnezzar, and and by the way, these kinds of kings and rulers have uh, unfortunately not died out throughout history. Um, History still shows how they exist. Um, They do not come out of a vacuum, right? Right. Part of the reason that they are able to continue is because leaders like this are able to tap into a part of, of our humanity that we may not want to admit exists. And so this is part of how the power is able to build in the prestige that they that someone like this is able to actually get followers who who follow them, not just because of oppression, but because they're actually buying what these leaders are selling. And then sometimes they just force people to do it. In a similar circumstance, uh, if you remember the first Avengers movie, Loki, the god of mischief, comes to earth to conquer it. And at one point he uh, arrives in Germany and he tells all the people to kneel before him and he forces them to do it. At one point he says, "Is not this simpler. Isn't it more simple? Isn't this your natural state? It is the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power and for identity. You were made to be ruled. And so in the end, you will always kneel. And this one old man stands up and he says, not to men like you. And Loki says, there are no men like me. And the old man responds, there are always men like you. And so we see this moment in Daniel. That uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, more importantly, their actual names, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, they are confronted by the powers that they've sort of kind of circumvented around. They've sort of found ways to both be in the empire and serve, but to not necessarily compromise their identity in, in following God. But now they have no choice. They, the, they're approached by the empire and they said, you will bow down to this statue. And they say, no. And Nebuchadnezzar's response or his question is, well, who is the God who can rescue you from my power? When life beats us down. That's what we're focusing on today. When life beats us down, who is the God who can rescue us from its power? And so they go on to say, you know, you can throw us in this furnace You can kill us, you can destroy us, you can try to forget, but God is going to be there. And even if God doesn't say, this is the important part, they say even if God does not save us, it will not make a difference. We still will not serve your gods and we will not worship your statue. It doesn't matter. Sort of like Neville Longbottom at the end of Harry Potter, when they all think Harry Potter's dead. I'm sorry if I spoil it for anyone. But during the war, everyone thinks uh, Harry Potter's dead and thus all hope is lost. And Neville Longbottom stands up and he says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Harry's dead. We're still here. And we can keep going. It doesn't matter what tangible pieces are taken away from us, because what cannot be taken away is our spirit. What cannot be taken away is our faith. What cannot be taken away is our hope. That's who we are as God's people. And again, going back to the youth troop, I mean, challenge after challenge after challenge, and they kept going. It didn't matter. I mean, yes, it mattered in the moment. That It doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. It doesn't mean that it wasn't draining and at times overwhelming, But it didn't matter enough to stop them from doing what they had been called to do, which was to go to Anchorage to help uh, make VBS as great as it could be, to help the church, to help the community. All this other stuff didn't matter. They still did what they were called to do. Same thing with Zoe. The Zoe trip ended up taking about 23 hours because of layovers and, and missed flights, but they got there. They're there right now, and they're doing what it is that they have been called to do. That is who we are. And that is our why. It's our mission. Yes, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But our mission also in Lakeland is to do as much as we can to help as many people as possible, despite any tangible challenge that might be put in our way. And so, of course, now we know the famous part of the story. They get put in the furnace. They don't burn up. King Nebuchadnezzar says this. He says, well, there's only three. Why do I see four? That one in there, that must be, you know, I don't know, a son of the gods. And so they let the three out and they say, oh, this is fantastic. I'm going to give you even more power, more prestige, because for a guy like Nebuchadnezzar, power is all he knows. Power is all he understands. So he's either going to try to push it upon others or he's going to use it to reward others who really please him or in order that he saves face in front of his empire. But as Emily said in her video, this pledge Sunday, what it is that we are doing, what we continue to do is not about power and status. It's not about making ourselves look bigger and better. It's about providing for our youth, both now and in the future, what it is that they need to be who they have been called to be so that they have a place to be themselves, to grow, to disciple, to lead, to encourage, to simply be a safe place, as we have been saying, to explore their faith. And so maybe a few years ago, as we were talking about this, it may have been more of that kind of old style attractional model. You know, if we if we, if we we build it, they will come. But I think one of the things that we've been seeing out of the pandemic and now as we're moving forward into this, even though there are challenges and some of us maybe say, well, in this state, why are we spending all this money? Because we see the growth happening. We see the growth in youth ministry, we see the growth in neighborhood, we see the growth in scouts, and this building needs to reflect that. And so, to tap into our United Methodist roots, this renovation is an outward visible sign of an inward spiritual grace that we already see happening. But you know what? If we didn't have those tangible pieces, it still wouldn't matter. Because we would still live into God's calling to love God and to love each other. The tangible pieces are helpful, but in the end, it's not about that. It's about how we live in communion with God and with each other. For example, some of you may know the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor and theologian during World War II who was imprisoned because of an assassination plot. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You have to uncover it to see it. There's a sermon. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor and a theologian, maybe this will fit in here somehow. So when he was in prison for the assassination plot that, of course, failed, he would still serve communion. He would still uh, participate in the sacrament and the ritual of communion. But here's the thing. He didn't have the elements. All he had was an empty plate. But he would still enact the ritual. He would still take the bread. And embodying the the story of Jesus, he would break it and he would give it, even though it was invisible. And he would say, take of this, all of you, do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, even though he did not physically have the cup, he would still enact the motion, the motion of taking a cup. And of saying the words, this is my blood, it is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you take of this, do so in remembrance of me. It didn't matter that he didn't have the cup. It didn't matter that he didn't have the bread. He still had the spirit because he knew Christ was still with him. And every now and then, the story says, even the prison guards participate this table whatever the table may be whatever your table may be wherever you are whatever elements even if the elements are invisible the sacrament still takes place for us for us as humans in our senses tangible things are helpful. They help us to see and to taste and to know and to experience, but also part of our relationship with Jesus Christ teaches us that if we don't have those tangible things necessarily, it doesn't matter. As the three friends said, if you put us in that furnace, that's fine, but it doesn't change anything of who we are and who God has called us to be. We are still going to be that. We are still going to do that. There are some tangible things this morning that didn't necessarily work out the way that we thought, but you know what? God was still here. God is still here and God still is wherever it is that we go. And so as we go, let us share that foundation. Let us share that love and hope and joy that when life beats us down, it doesn't matter. God is still with us and God still calls us forward. So may we go forward in God's world and may we go in peace. Amen.